And welcome, my friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host, coming to you from my basement out here in the Eastern Plains of Colorado. Bill Jack from Worldview Academy, also with me on this edition, coming out of the Ohio election, the national elections uh, this year, and uh, significant things happening. I think this week's election was somewhat determinative for the immediate future of the nation. That's why I think the entire nation was watching results this week. America is the last of the Western nations to fall. That's what makes it so significant. Uh, other nations have already capitulated to socialism, humanism, and uh, a post-Christian ideology. But uh, America has been very much in the balance for a long time. Colorado was a battleground state for America in the 1990s. You remember Amendment 2 mm-hmm. that went to the Supreme Court of the United States. Uh, I ran for governor of the state in 1994 as the pro-life candidate for governor. And uh, I lost. Need I say more? No. I lost. <clears throat> Colorado, I believe, was the first state to legalize abortion. It was. It was the the legislation was carried by uh, Richard Lamb, Democrat, in the legislature. He eventually became governor of the state, but it was carried and passed through the Democratic legislature. It was signed into law by a Republican governor, Governor Love, and. Isn't it sad that since that time, here's this legislation carried by Richard Lamb, signed into law by Governor Love. Isn't it ironic and isn't it sad that since then, thousands and thousands of little innocent lambs have been slaughtered in the Mm -hmm. name of love? Yeah, that's the history. And in the early 1990s, uh, there was a pro-life contingency, Mark Paschal, I think Barry Arrington, um, remember a number of other legislative representatives that were doing a good job. I jumped into the race in 1994, ran for governor of the state as a pro-life candidate. uh, And for a very short time, Colorado had a mildly pro-life Republican as a governor from 1999 to 2007. You remember Bill Owens. Right. And uh, then from that point on, it was downhill. So after 2007, the nation went downhill and so did Colorado. Now the battleground shifted. And it shifted to Ohio. It shifted from Colorado to Ohio for a lot of reasons. Now, as our listeners understand that the Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 was reversed just last year. And uh, so now there has been something of a race to the referendums. Uh, The question was whether or not the nation would uh, maintain a pro-life stance. The Supreme Court of the United States just simply turned it back to the people and said, let the legislatures figured out let the people pay figure it out we're not going to legislate from the bench anymore the zeitgeist has no need to legislate from the bench only because well the heart of this nation is in the wrong place and of course we've been saying that for about a year and uh you know i i put away the party hats and did not celebrate the reversal of roe v wade i didn't celebrate and bill you know why because I suspected the heart of the nation was going to go the wrong direction. Indeed, Kentucky went the wrong direction. Yep. Kansas went the wrong direction. Montana went the wrong direction. Now, Ohio has gone the wrong direction. We're losing every single state in which a pro-life referendum is uh, being pressed into the election. And, uh, well, it's, uh, it's, it's what's happening. It's hard to lose. It's hard to see the end of a country after a thousand years of Christian influence in the Western world. I understand it's hard to face this kind of thing. But friends, uh, you got to hear this. Kentucky was the second most pro-life state, according to Pew Research. Uh, this was the most recent state-by-state pro-life 
the survey they did, I'm going to say maybe seven, eight years ago, Kentucky was the second most pro-life state, according to Pew Research. They lost the abortion battle last year. And now in this week's election, the pro-life governor candidate lost by, get this, 26%. Abortion seems to have been a central issue in the campaign. Kentucky, again, the second most pro-life state in America, according to Pew Research, Kentucky, the second most pro-life state in America, is pro-death. That's where we are right now. Now, Kansas was the 20th most pro-life state in America, again, on the pro-life side of it, not necessarily the most pro-life, yet there we lost it as well. Kansas, a pro-abortion referendum passed last summer. Virginia went Democrat in the 2023 elections as well. Both houses tipped Democrat. Abortion seems to have been a central issue in the election. Why? Because Virginia is pro-death and America is a pro-death nation. Ohio was the 16th most pro-life state in America. They lost the pro-life vote by 56-44 this week. So put a fork in it. Um, the pro-life vision for at least American governance is over as a nation. The scope of the victory by the yes side suggests that a significant number of Republicans voted in favor of the pro-death referendum. The yes side, get this one, nine of the 10 counties that Trump won with less than 60% of the vote. Yes was also leading in a third of the counties that Trump carried uh, between uh, 60% and 70% of the vote. So uh, upwards of uh, 60% of the vote or 33% of the counties that Trump carried that were pro-Trump turned out to be pro-abortion counties. Yeah. And voted uh, for issue one in the Ohio election, meaning that there are a lot of pro-aborts who are voting for Trump. If it were a referendum, I believe Texas would go down as well. Only 12% of Texans want government to ban abortion, and only 41% of Texans want the government to ban abortion with exceptions, according to Texas Politics Project. So based on the Ohio vote, the 56-44%, based on that, there are only seven states in America that might vote pro-life. Seven states left in America that might vote pro-life. And I can give you that list right now. West Virginia, Kentucky, Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Tennessee. But oh wait, Kentucky has already gone pro-abortion at right. least twice since the Roe v. Wade reversal. So that takes it to six states. That's about 7% of the American population. 7% of the American population is uh, representing these six or seven states that might be just a bit to the right of Ohio on the pro-life issue. So we're looking at six to seven states in America, some 8% or 7 or 8% of the U.S. population still pro-life, which means if this thing goes to Congress and if you know, you get enough representatives voting in the pro-abortion direction elected by the 93% of Americans that are basically moving these states in a pro-abortion direction. Uh, we're going to have abortion as the official policy of the United States of America. Yeah, that's that's exactly why the Supreme Court punted. Yeah, they, should, they, they, they knew they, what would happen. They knew. They should have taken this up because we cannot have a country that where states are pro-slavery and where states are pro life 
Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about the same issue that mm-hmm. divided this this country and led to a civil war. But going the, the other direction it. on the life issue for right, the time yes, being. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you can't you cannot do this. You cannot have some states who believe in slavery and some states who believe in not in, in not having slavery. So it led to a civil war. This is going to lead to a civil war unless the Supreme Court steps in and solves this issue. And they punted on this. And so now the pro-aborts are very actively going state by state and gobbling up life. And you know the Republicans are going to capitulate. Yes. They're not going to go for the pro-life candidates no. uh, in the primaries. You know no. that's not going to happen in the 2024 elections. And the candidates like Donald Trump are going to edge more and more to the left of DeSantis on the issue. Yep. You know that's it's already happened. And it's going to continue to happen. Okay, my friends. I see two options for the future of this nation. The first is repentance. The second is civil war or world war or a pandemic that wipes out two-thirds of the population. Now, that may be something of a shock to people who are listening right now. But, man, if you read history, you're going to know over the last 6,000 years, this is what happens. Nations that give way to infanticide and sexual perversion are gone within about 50 years, maybe 75 years. All right, so that's the history of 6,000 years of nations giving way to the gross levels of infanticide and abortion, especially that which is approved of by their governments. Friends, this is the end of a nation. This is, Either there's repentance or the nation is obliterated. All right, we'll be back with more next on Generation. Stay with me. Hello, my friends. For the last 15 years, the Generations team has produced a Christian curriculum specifically for families who want to give their children a God-centered, Bible-saturated, biblical worldview-based education. Our commitment is to restore the Christian faith, generational faith in an age where we are losing faith in this country and almost anywhere around the world where Christian children attend secular schools or use secular curriculum and imbibe secular culture. Now, we're not relying on the pre-Christian Greeks for an educational model here. We're not relying on the post-Christian secularist for the education model either. Our curriculum is based in a biblical worldview. We put hundreds of Bible verses in the history books and integrate the truths into the subjects. We want to glorify God on every page of the science books. We immediately integrate knowledge into life application and natural revelation with special revelation. We keep Christ at the very center of the history books with preparing the world for Jesus and taking the world for Jesus. I believe God is calling this generation in this highly secularized age to a radical change in how they disciple their children. Please check out our program for education of your children and grandchildren at www.generations.org. And we are back on Generations as Ohio sets the direction for the nation. Indeed, the heart of the people in the state of Ohio is opposed to God and is embracing death. All those who are against me are for death. That comes from Proverbs chapter 8. Those against God, those who have set themselves against God, are those who have embraced death. And that's the culture of America. That's the culture of the heartland of America. Ohio is very much the heartland 
of America, and they have set the direction for the nation. And friends, this starts, of course, with the Supreme Court of the United States reversing Roe v. Wade just last year. That's only a test case for what would happen in the hearts of the people. Who would they vote for? Which referendums would they go for? Is America for the killing of innocent life? Yes, America is. A hundred million dead bodies is enough to establish the legacy of America. America is committed to the shedding of innocent blood, not just with abortion, surgical abortions, and the Memphis Priffstone pill, but also America is in favor of the use of the IUD, which adds an additional anywhere from 10 to 15 million abortions in any given year, as well as all the other forms of abortifacient. So America is killing, my calculation is between 60 and 75% of children conceived in the nation are killed by the use of chemicals and by the use of these uh, abortifacients, uh, as well as surgical abortions and the abortion pill. So friends, we're looking at the majority of God's creatures, of God's creation, of those who are created in the image of God as being slaughtered in the American wombs, largely because of this self-centered, me-centered, existentialistic worldview that is embraced by the masses and many within the Christian church as well. So unless there's repentance that occurs in the Christian church, unless Christian pastors in the Southern Baptist denomination, the PCA and others, stand up and take a position against the IUD and every form of abortifacient, Plan B pill, etc., Unless and until these churches become more consistent with the pro-life message, I can't imagine, Bill, we're going to reverse the trend on this. No, no. The church has been silent for too long, um, and as a result, we've allowed this evil to creep throughout the culture. And it is a spreading cancer that has eaten the heart of America. Now, the U.S. Supreme Court seems to be more conservative than the grassroots of the American public, not so in 1973. The Supreme Court was seen as something of an activist court for a period of 40 to 50 years and led the nation, discipled the masses in a leftist, socially destructive agenda. But now that they have accomplished that, it doesn't appear that the zeitgeist, the demonic horde that runs American governance today, needs the Supreme Court of the United States as much as they used to. The demonic horde is much more content with using the legislatures and the voting populace because, well, they've been very well instructed by a system over a period of 50 years and over 100 million dead bodies of babies to be sure that the American public will do the wrong thing or, as the demons consider it, the right thing to continue the destructive agenda with or without the Supreme Court of the United States. Bill, I think that's where we are right now. Yeah. Absolutely. We celebrated, most Christians celebrated the the decision to overturn Roe, but they didn't realize the battle was going to come to their front door. It just seemed odd to me that the celebrations kicked in so quickly. I, I just didn't make any sense to me. The, the decision was being reverted back into the states and back into Kansas, Kentucky, and Ohio, and now you see what's going on. It's, uh, it's, this is either even further ingraining the abortion practice and the abortion culture into the warp and woof of American life. And uh, this, of course, is preparing us for the ultimate judgment to come down upon a nation. Uh, but some are saying, well, what about Ronald Reagan? What about Donald Trump? And, you know, people are coming back and saying, yeah, but, yeah, but, 
you know, we made progress. We made a lot of progress with Ronald Reagan. No, well, we not so much no. Sandra Day O'Connor. You know, yeah. not not well. Yeah, somewhat with the Supreme Court justices, but when the heart of the people is so opposed to God and His holy law, it seems to me that we're not making as much progress as we hoped we were. Right, and you can't put your faith in in one person. This is this has to be at the local level. Yeah, it has to right. be starting at the churches. We need to repent of of our lack of concern for those who are who are the unborn, those who are being sacrificed, and we need to educate our people in the pews as to exactly what this is and how we can take step by step by step to stop this genocide. Remember a conversation I had one on one with Senator Ted Cruz. This would have been a number of years ago, and I asked. The senator, is it possible we could ever reverse Obergefell, which, of course, had codified the uh, pseudo-marriage of a man to a man and reversed God's order after 6,000 years of world history? I said, is there any possibility that we could uh, reverse that? And uh, Senator Cruz said, not unless 100,000 pastors begin to preach. That was yes. his response. Mm. I and I'm, I'm, you know, not saying exactly what he said, but he said it's the hundred thousand pastors that will make the difference. Certainly, isn't going to be the president of the United States or no. uh, anybody else no. at the high office in in politics. So the problem is not politics, my friends. The no. problem is not with the government. The problem isn't exactly with the elections. The problem is not with the fact that we're getting the wrong president or the right president at any given election. The problem is with the heart of the nation. The problem with the seminaries, the problem is the, the pastors. The problem is in the churches and the heart of the people. That's, that's the problem. And unless the churches repent, unless pastors repent, unless the seminaries repent, there's no reversing this. A last sinful nation. I read from Isaiah one, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faints from the sole of the foot even to the head. There's no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. Your country is so desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Strangers devour your land in your presence. Desolate is overthrown by strangers. So the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in a vineyard. Unless the Lord of hosts had left to us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like unto Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I can't endure iniquity and the sacred meeting, your new moons and your appointed feasts. My soul hates. They are troubled to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands... I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. 
Defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Boy, that word applies as much to the churches, Bill, as it does to the country. Yeah. You know, and this was, of course, applied to the people of God as Zion or the children of Israel in the Old Testament. I think it just as much applies to the churches today as it does to, 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 to anything else. You could apply it to a nation, yes. I believe God does bring judgments down on nations. He still does. But it's his people called by his name that need to humble themselves, repent, and so forth. So that, to me, is the message. The message is hard and true to the churches, and judgment begins in the household of God, and it's repentance that needs to begin in the household of God as well. I think that's where we're going with this. Yeah, I, what I hear often is, well, we, we want to stay away from those issues. They're, they're divisive. They're controversial. We have women in our, in our pews who have, who have suffered from abortion. We don't want to condemn them. We just want to tell people about Jesus. We just want to preach the gospel. Well, we just want to do the Great Commission. Well, wait a minute. What is the Great Commission? Jesus said to teach them to observe everything. some everything. of what everything. I said. Everything. So everything. A little bit of what mm-hmm. I did. Does Jesus have anything to say about government? Does Jesus have anything to say about economics? Does he have anything to say about your choices of, of entertainment, of how you spend your money, your time? About family? Yes, of course he does. We have just truncated this gospel to be this privatized personal religion when your religion should inform your economics, your religion should inform your politics, it should inform everything. Well, let's take the position that uh, anywhere between a third and two-thirds of the women in our evangelical churches today have participated in uh, the use of the abortifacient. They've participated in abortion at some level and a self-centered worldview that basically hates children and uh, does not count children to be a blessing uh, has infiltrated the churches everywhere. What do we do with that? Well, we just call men and women to repent of that, Mm -hmm. to say, hey, we've had it all wrong and uh, realize that their sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus, as they repent, as they confess these sins, they are forgiven. And then they get up and they obey the commandments of God. They become pro-life activists. They stop using the IUD. Right. They, they become those who have embraced the blessing of life and the blessing of children in an age of death. And so what do you get? You get a discipled people of God who have received the gospel, been transformed by the powerful working of the Holy Spirit of God, and they become the next generation of pro-life voters in the state of Ohio or anywhere else. So again, what's the problem with that? It seems to me that pastors have, to a great extent, lacked the faith to preach the gospel and to call men and women to repentance as the apostles did, as Jesus did, as John the Baptist did in the scriptures. Hey, Kevin. One more thing. You know, I understand you're saying that you didn't celebrate and and think that the the reversal of Roe v. Wade was the greatest thing that ever happened. Uh, I can understand that. But at the same time, I recall that there were pastors who did not even address that decision by the Supreme Court in any way whatsoever. They refused to go near that decision at that time. That was lack of courage and principle, for sure. Yes. From the pulpits. From the pulpits. And I will guarantee you there will be very few pastors who will address what happened 
in Ohio from the pulpit in this most recent election. Well, friends, that wraps up this edition of the Generations broadcast. Yeah, I believe that the solution begins over and over again with us, with the church, with the pastors, with the preaching of the word of God on a Sunday morning. Is that happening in your churches? That's the issue of the day. Forget the voting booth for now. Let's focus in on where it really matters, and that's in the church of Jesus Christ in this country and everywhere else around the world. You've been listening to Generations. I encourage you to my book, Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West, which is uh, an explanation of the thousand years of Christian influence and a century of decline to take us where we are today. You need to understand the full story. And where do we go from here? That's the next question. And I treat that in my last chapter of Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West, available at generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson and Bill Jack inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.